to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I am your host for this podcast, Christopher Robbins, the co-founder of Familiars Publishing. We hope to bring you nourishing, real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. I'm happy to introduce today's guest, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. Dr. Manley is a practicing clinical psychologist, author, and advocate who makes her home in Santa Rosa, California. Utilizing a mindfulness-based holistic approach, Dr. Manley focuses on helping others achieve joy and balance from the inside out. Dr. Manley is the author of multiple books, including Joy from Fear, Create the Life of Your Dreams by Making Fear Your Friend, Date Smart, Transform Your Relationships and Love Fearlessly, and Aging Joyfully, A Woman's Guide to Optimal Health, Relationships, and Fulfillment for Her 50s and Beyond. Today, we're exploring a challenging subject for all parents, how to deal with the anger, fear, sadness, and other issues associated with the Uvalde, Texas school shooting and other tragedies that families are witnessing and experiencing. This podcast falls into the familiar's Heal Together habit. You can learn more about the Familias 10 Habits of Happy Families by going to the Habit Hub blog on Familias.com. Well, Carla, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So there is, let's just get right into it. There are parents who are dealing with anger, fear, sadness in the wake of the many recent shootings. We know that children are receptive to these emotions. What are some tips for making room for grief or fear? while also creating a sense of safety and comfort for our children? Such a great question, because when a parent, parents, of course, are having reactions to the gun violence, to the state of the world, the frightening shifts. And it's important for parents to first process their feelings, process your experience so that Anything you're not processing does not leak out onto your child. We don't really want, we don't want to hide from our children, but we also don't want to scare them further by offering expletives that scare them or scary behavior or screaming or, you know, because a child at this time after a trauma, child needs parent to be the rock. When the world feels unsafe, school feels unsafe, walking out the front door feels unsafe, Caregiver, mom, dad, parent needs to be that safe space. So I tell parents when they come to me with these issues, and I have a background in school counseling and was a teacher a long time ago, and I've worked in juvenile probation, so I've seen this in action. And it's so important for parents to be able to call up a friend, call up a partner, a therapist, a trusted mentor, and say, wow, I am having big feelings around this. I am so sad. I am so scared. I am furious. Whatever you want to say, need to say, do that and get that big expression out so that you can be present for your child. That's what we need to do. We need to be present for the child. We can have our feelings. And then once we're, we've processed, we can let our child know, I'm really sad about this. I'm feeling really scared. I'm here for you. So that's the first thing. Parents, Work on your feelings so you're not overwhelming your child with unprocessed emotions. 
Mm. So that's the first thing. Second thing is then when you do talk to your child, and also don't beat up on yourself if you've done that. If you and your child were together and you found out about it and you had a really big reaction, what in, in psychotherapy we call an ab reaction. Sometimes it's sometimes it's normal, sometimes it's not, but an ab reaction would be a way over the top reaction. Then you can simply say to your child, hey, you know, mommy or daddy had a really big reaction. Please don't be scared process that I'm working on that and I'm here for you I'm safe for you that's the goal child must feel safe the rest of the world I'll repeat it the rest of the world is unsafe scary mom and dad caregiver grandma grandpa need to be the safe place so again parents if you've taken a step in that direction it's okay you can fix it by letting your child know, hey, I'm processing my feelings. I didn't mean to scare you or I understand if I scared you. Do you want to talk about that? So it's interesting. So this is the next tip. Be available to talk. Don't force a talk, but welcome a chat with your child. You know, you can actually give that child an open invitation to say, you know, as this, as you process what happened, you know, with the school shooting or with this event, know that I am always here. I will never tire of your questions. You will never be a, a burden to me. My door is always open. My heart is always open. Because oftentimes, as we know as adults, when we're going through something really difficult, we feel like, oh, I'm too much for my friends or I'm too much for, for my husband or my wife. And we we need to be able to be present for our children. So that's the other tip. Make sure your child knows I'm here. The other thing is look for the opportunities to talk, right? Look for the little bits where you see your child maybe staring off to space and say, I notice you're staring off to, into space. Is, is there something you want to talk about? And your child might share or not. So don't pressure the child, create the opportunity. You might sit down, give milk and cookies, you know, something positive and say, you know, mommy's feeling sad about what's happening. Mommy's, you know, feeling some grief. What are you feeling? Tell me about what you're feeling. Not yes, no questions like, are you okay? Which is a yes, no. We want open-ended questions. How are you feeling? Now, the next tip, as the child explains, how they feel, and they eventually will if they feel safe. Every child has their own time. Then you want to, so much, you know, of parenting, I've done this one myself, your child's crying, you say, oh, don't cry, don't worry, everything will be okay. That's instinctive. Um, what we want to do rather than that is say, it's okay to cry. I'm here for you. I hear that you're worried. I'm here for you. Oh, I hear that you're anxious. I'm here for you. Telling a child, don't feel your feelings, makes them feel criticized, makes them want to close down, rather than allowing them to feel their feelings. Very counterintuitive for most of us parents. We want to embrace them and say, please don't worry, mommy's here, daddy's here. And so I, I acknowledge, it's my heart too. It's like, I want to wrap someone up and say, no, I'll protect you. You know, you're safe. But that's not the most helpful thing for the child. Now, next thing, you want to embrace the child physically. That is healthy. You want to be able to have your child feel connected to you. Hugs, kisses, cuddle time, quiet time. 
So you want to give your child the opportunity to have, no, again, never forcing. Some children want a lot of space, right? That's fine. Some children want to just be hovering right around your feet. That's fine. The only caveat is if you have a child who wants a lot of space, pay attention. Pay attention that the child is safe in their safe space. For example, you could say, oh, the child might say, I want to be alone. Okay, let's set up, you know, this little area over here, depending upon the child's age, right? Let's make a little tent for you or quilts for you. And if it's a teen, you know, sure, go ahead to, the, to your bedroom. You know, do you mind keeping the door open just in this situation so I can come in and just, you know, kiss you every once in a while, right? Again, the open doors, open doors. So that's a really big piece that's next is watch your child. You don't have to helicopter. Maybe you want to rev it up a little bit and kind of helicopter just a little bit after a crisis, but you don't want to make the child uncomfortable. You just want the child to know, hey, I'm here. I'm offering. My heart is open. My door is open. And next piece, when you listen to your child, listen fully, put down the cell phone, turn off the TV, sit with your child and give them your full presence. Really hard for parents because we're so busy. Um, but sitting down and making eye contact is one of the best gifts you can give your child. And it brings tears to my eyes because, you know, I know how with a busy schedule, sometimes I, you know, forget to do that. And how important that is because people pick it up, especially children who are so sensitive. So if you are not really present and tuning into your child and making space for them, they will pick it up. They'll register if your thoughts are on, oh, what's the next TV show? Or I want to go read my book. Or God, I really like to go work out at the gym instead of listening to this kid, right? All normal feelings, right? Thoughts. But we really do want to be present all the time as much as possible, but particularly after a tragedy. Another piece, grief, which you brought up. Grief, the five stages of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and ultimately acceptance. Now, acceptance is not a given. People say, oh, well, I'll just move through the grief. I felt this, I felt this. No, sometimes we cycle through them. We get angry, then we get sad, then we go back into denial. I can't believe that happened. Then we go back to depression. Oh, this world is such a horrible place. I just want to check out, right? You know, why did I have children? Why did I expose them to this? All of these things that come up. Remember, you're going through that denial, anger, bargaining, depression, maybe back to anger, maybe back to depression, which is the sadness, maybe back to the anger, being mad at politicians, mad at this, mad at gun rights laws, mad at the mental health system that is not taking care of people well enough. And in truth, that's where a lot of my anger goes is to the mental health system that is so fractured. And so when we look at that and realize, wait a second, my little one, whether that child is three, five, seven, 15, 18, 25, 35, they are going through that as well. That grief is not just when someone we love dies. Grief arises when well, I meant a human dies, right? A human loved one. Grief arises when a pet dies. Grief arises when a teacher dies. Grief arises when we lose a job, lose a relationship. Grief arises even sometimes, it's called pre-grieving, 
when we're in this state of, oh, oh no, there was a school shooting, did anyone die, right? And sometimes we go around in that pre-grieving state and it's very difficult because we don't know what it is. And so realizing that grief and talking to children about all of this, not in psychological terms, not in high level terms. If you're talking to a five-year-old, you use very different language and be very tiny snippets compared to a discussion, a back and forth, where you're not preaching, but you have the awareness and the knowledge so that you can talk about in bite-sized snippets that match the child's developmental level and where they're at so that you're a resource. Children want to know you are their resource, again, that you are their rock. Doesn't mean you have to say, I know everything. It's okay to say as a parent, as a caregiver, as a grandparent, I don't know. Let me, you know, check in with the therapist on that. Let me go Google it. <laughs> Maybe not sometimes the best way to get an answer. Let me talk to my, you know, the parish priest or, you know, my mentor. So, Use your resources so that you, because you matter too during all of this. That's why I had you as the first step, you being the parent and caregiver. You matter. Let's you, ask a question on that. Yes. And uh, all this information is, is obviously tremendously helpful. We focus a lot on, on how the parent needs to be the rock, how the parent needs to be emotionally resilient, how the parent needs to be able to respond with emotional intelligence. And... Um, I guess the question I have as a parent, that's asking a lot of me. I've, I've, just, I've just seen something that has terrified me. And now I have these fears of sending my child to school. I have these fears of, you know, what kind of world is my child living in? And, and I feel powerless to do anything about it. And you're asking me to, to be the person that can really help my child. But I, I need, I, I clearly need help myself, right? So what... Can you help us as parents? What do we need to do in order to do what you're asking us to do? Such a good question and such a tough one, because <laughs> I feel like no matter which way I go, I because that's how parenting is. Sometimes no matter which way we go, it's not perfect, right? And so for the parent, that's why self-care is important. Having someone you can go to, again, your partner, your, your parent, a minister, someone where you can go and say, I need some help. I need to be able to process and discuss and to be able to go to your partner and say, I need a hug. I need quiet time. Can we get a babysitter tonight so you and I can just cuddle up somewhere and I don't have to think or feel or care for someone else? That's okay. And sometimes very necessary. It's in a way, this is a bit of a stretch, but in a way, it's the mindset that a first responder has to engage in. It's where that where we take care of the person who's in, who's more fragile than we are. Not that we aren't fragile, but that we take care of the more fragile person. On the other side of that is the old adage that when you're on the airplane, you have to give yourself the oxygen first before you can give it to the child, right? So it is that balancing act. And now that we are in a world where trauma, unexpected horrific events arise at every turn, I would also tell parents, this is the time to get a support group. If you don't have a support group, if you don't have a phone tree, if you don't have a psychotherapist, you know, if you don't have a, a church that you can go to and get healing and connection, 
maybe now is the time, maybe now is the time. And there are other self-care strategies that are really helpful and they don't have to be big ones, don't have to be expensive. People sometimes think self-care is expensive. No, it can be something as simple as saying to your partner, hey, honey, I had a long day. This is big for me. Can you watch the little ones and read them a book while I go get a bath or a shower? Right. So that you can come back and that is healthy. Or I need for me, walks are my sanity, right? My safe place. Maybe for other people asking a partner or a babysitter, hey, can you watch my children while I go out and just go for a five mile walk or a one mile walk. So again, you can see that self-care is really important to have in place. We live in a scary world. And I wish I could say it's going to stop being scary, but science, the reality is it's not going to stop being scary. So we need to use our resources, internal and external, to really work on being able to care for ourselves so that we can be the rock for our little ones or big ones. And again, if you aren't able to be that rock, to not beat yourself up. I mean, that's the ideal picture I was painting at the beginning. That's the ideal. We don't always get to that ideal. We're imperfect, we're humans. So I was giving tips that again, you know, big, big stress on this is that sometimes we'll mess up. Sometimes we won't be that perfect parent that we'd like to be. So the idea is to have tips that allow us to be as close to that as we can. That's why I offer a plethora of tips. Because if you are only as a parent able to do one or two, which is I'm going to be the safe space for my kids. I'm going to just sit and cuddle with them. That's fabulous. If you're able to create a plate of cookies and offer milk or tea or whatever, that's fabulous. So again, you don't have to do these tips are there so you can pick from the menu. And again, all together, they're the ideal. But so for me, in working with parents who have children who underwent trauma, and in fact, I helped um, a local individual with her book on resilience around trauma, right? Sometimes, and her book is, I think it's called Resilience. And these are, we've had lots of wildfires in our area and many People have lost loved ones, homes, you know, that sort of thing. Very different type of trauma altogether than the school shootings. But what I really helped with in that book is say, there are other resources for children. You don't have to be the only resource. You can pick up a book on trauma, a, child, a children's book, right? Uh, and read it to the child so that you don't have to be the know-it-all and that maybe as you read you're able to process some of what's going on for you the other piece is that's really important for parents is remember to play your kids you need as much routine as consistency as possible because that's how our psyches feel safe we like safety we like consistency we like routine so keep bedtime the same keep breakfast the same keep you know, family time the same. Maybe pump up a little bit of the playtime, board games, you know, 
playing dolls, playing trucks, playing whatever the kids want, playing outside, sitting outside, not doing anything at all. Painting is another great way for parents and children to express, whether you pick up some rocks and paint the rocks. But again, allowing yourself to express, allowing yourself and your child to express in creative ways is another really big piece. And another one that I find really high on my list, and I do this for myself. I don't expose myself to the news too much. I am aware of the traumatic events. I register them. I get my news generally from a, like a very sedate news station that does not dramatic, you know, add a lot of drama to things. And so that's really good for us on a sensory level and on a mental level, because if we or our children are exposed to news that is showing vibrant pictures and newsreels and chaos, we're being affected visually. We are being affected by our, by our ears, you know, our ears on an auditory level, we're taking it in mentally, we're taking it in emotionally, we're taking it in. And so when we see that very, dramatic type of news footage and our brains are fully myelinated as adults think of what's happening with children if they're exposed to that on their cell phones computers or television they're not able to process it a child's brain's not fully myelinated an adult's brain's not fully myelinated which means being able to make appropriate connections very speedily um, until they're 25. So you can imagine that a child who's being exposed to news footage that is very dramatic, very scary, very horrifying. That's what they do. The news channels do that because they want viewership. But we don't want our children to have to wake up to that or go to sleep to that. So it's not that you don't stay abreast of the news. I still get the paper newspaper and listen to the radio in the morning to get my snippets of news. And for me, that's the healthiest way. Um, because I'm not being exposed to the sensationalized news. So watch parents, watch your news intake and help your children with theirs, especially if they have free access to computer and cell phone screen time use. Help them understand that that's how our brains work. When we relive trauma, when we are re-exposed to trauma, we are increasing our trauma. That's how our brains work. Whatever we do, this is one of my key lines, whatever we do, be it good or not so good, becomes a part of who we are. That's so, very helpful to think about yeah. um, the news cycle and when children see horrific images or scenes. And you've given us many tips of, of how we can be the rock, be the, a safe place for our children. But let me ask a question, and you might not have this answer, but you know, if we, we just recently published a book called Why, Daddy, Why? And children are very good at asking why. So what do we say when our children say, why did this happen? Why did that man do that? Such a good question and such a good book, by the way, because question answer asking is one of the ways we build awareness and connection. And so that's why if a child comes up and says, why, daddy, why? Why did this happen? Why, mommy, why? Why did this happen? It's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know. I'm confused too. And then it's okay to follow it up and say, 
I think maybe the person was very sad or very angry and didn't have someone watching over him or her and maybe didn't have the tender loving care that he or she needed. And that's why you are so important to me. And that is why I try my best to make sure to give you tender loving care. And so if you are ever sad or angry or frustrated, I want you to be able to come to me. That's helpful. We have time for That's the long answer. A child may need something much more right. vitalized. I like, I don't know. Yes. I've, learned, I've learned in my life that you can learn to be confident enough to say, I don't know. And, and that's okay. So, you know, we, we might be scared to send our children to school. We might be scared to send them alone with their friends. Um, we might be, they might be scared to go to school. Is there advice that you can help us to, to have a conversation with children about, you know, do we, do we send them back off to school? I mean, they, we we can't put them in a bubble that we have to live children children have to continue to go out into the world and the world is both a beautiful place and it's a scary place i have to say i'm i'm, I'm in a musical right now called into the woods and if anyone's seen that you, you you go into the woods and out of the woods and and sometimes scary things happen in the woods and we have to stay there for a while and then we have to come back out so what's your advice well the world's always been on some level, you know, an unsafe place, whether people were shot by arrows, guns, you know, knives. It's been around as long as violence has been around for as long as mankind has been around, unfortunately. So the world isn't as it's not that this is a novel situation. It's just a there are more people on the planet. There are more weapons on the planet now that can do a lot of damage in a very short time. And there are, in my opinion, a lot more mental health issues on the planet right now. In the past, not too long ago, 100 years ago, we lived in smaller communities. And if somebody was hurting, was acting out, everybody was aware of it because we were very connected, very communal, right? And so we knew, oh, you know, so-and-so is having trouble, send him to the medicine doctor or to, you know, to the this place or that place. And unfortunately now, the reason I'm laying this foundation is it's important for us to acknowledge we live in a very different world where a lot of people with serious mental health issues are not being served. And these people have access to all sorts of weapons and ways to harm other people. So realizing that with that as a platform, parents, not to scare you, but to explain that we do have a different reality. So how can we make our children safe? We can, we can really watch our communities. We can be a part of the schools and keep an eye on what's happening in the schools, volunteer in the schools. I know parents, this might be so much when you're already overburdened or, you know, do mental health you know, awareness campaigns in your school, get it on your radar. And depending upon your child's level, get it on their radar. So they feel safe in coming to you and saying, mom, dad, grandma, and I got a post from someone or a text that says they're going to kill me. I saw this on Instagram or on this, whatever it is that somebody is interested. This, these are a lot of the signs that are out there that people miss. Report, report, report. 
stay aware, report, report. So to me, that is the way that we can get ahead of future trauma. But more to your question is how can we as parents send a little child, however old the child is, doesn't matter because they're always little to us in some ways. How can we send them to a school knowing that there might be carnage on any given day? And so what I tell parents is that is your moment to figure out what you need and want to do. Do you want to homeschool your child? Of course, that doesn't protect your child if they go to a rock concert and get harmed at the rock concert or they're walking down the street and they get pulled over by somebody, you know, who's using a van as a weapon, right? But what we can do is know that we have choices and we do have some choices, not a lot. We can, you know, choose a charter school, a smaller school where something is less likely to happen not all areas offer this the other thing that I'm, I'm a big believer in is praying i think when we pray and hope and offer to the universe to you know our god our divine that we want safety and love and connection in the world that we are willing to do what we can it's one of the reasons i do what i do so fiercely and with such it's painful, but it's with joy because I'm trying to make the world a better place. And if we all do that, then we create a better world for our children. And so, and I can't, I don't have tiny ones. I can't imagine sending a tiny one off to school. I would, you know, I would, you know, have a very difficult time with it. And I would probably be one of the ones that would try to find a different school, right? a school that's smaller, that feels safer. Um, but we all need to know what our limits are. Not everyone probably wouldn't be a very good homeschooler, right? Homeschooling parent, that doesn't work for everyone. So it's really important for parents to know that whatever they're feeling, the stress and strain and being pulled in two or three directions, what should I do? That's normal. Talk to someone about it, process it, and then make the very best decision you can for your situation. And then move forward. Yeah, I think that's good advice. I think there's a, I think we need, I think we all realize that that there's always a probability of of danger happening, and there's so much we don't know that we don't know. Whether it's a small school or it's a large school, you know, we all, so many of us pray that that our children will be saved, and sometimes they're not, and and we still have to get through life, and we have to reconcile those things. Um, ourselves this has been helpful are there just in leaving are there are there some resources books that you you'd say you know you, you might be dealing with this here's a good book for you to read or here's here's something that you've talked about pastors you've talked about having a support group and taking time for self self-care and those are all good things but could you point us in one or two directions that we might be able to use after this podcast to help Help us be more educated about what to do to help ourselves in these instances. Absolutely. One of my favorite resources is the Child Mind Institute. Parents, they have so many resources online. Um, I really like their work. It's free, so you don't have to spend money to access those resources. And I think that that's one of the most important pieces. The other the other element is, and so we, we might need a book here, Christopher, from Familius on this very topic, on what 
how to help children because I don't think, for example, the one I was talking about called Resilience, it's by um, Jandala, it's more specific to fires and wildfires and that type of trauma. But unfortunately, the world is getting to be a bigger and scarier place. And it is, well, it's the same size, but it feels bigger and scarier because we're not as connected anymore. And so I think that it's, again, other than Child Mind Institute, which I think is fabulous, fabulous. Um, I do think, and books like Why Daddy Why, where the parent knows that it's okay and important for the child to ask questions. And actually a lot of the familiar's parenting books, there are good familiar's books on grief, that if people go um, to the website, they'll be able to find, you know, books that talk about grief, that once we have a deeper understanding of grief, then we, that helps us be more present for our children and also books on self-care there are definitely good books that talk about self-care on the familias website so those are my thoughts so carla so many wonderful resources we talked a lot about how we the parents need to be the rock but you know sometimes we the, the child may need to to take care of themselves is are there are there things that the child can do to help Absolutely. Aside from creative play, reading, painting, drawing, sound play, that sort of thing that can be really helpful and downregulate the nervous system. The other one that for me is a go-to, and this helps parents as well, and parents can model it for their children, is just breathing exercises. Four count breathing. Breathing in for a count of four, holding for a count of four, breathing out for a count of four. So not only does that bring your parasympathetic nervous system on board, but it also, when you're counting, you're not able to think. Mm. So the racing thoughts aren't there anymore. So tips like that, tools like that, that you can model for your child, they'll learn, they'll grow, being more able to self-regulate and do some self-soothing. Very helpful. Great idea. Thank you. Welcome. Always very helpful. It's a, it's a difficult subject, and I, and I appreciate and realize that uh, there's been some emotion for both of us today as we have talked through these issues. Regardless, it's always a pleasure to speak with you, Carla. As we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familias for their support in bringing the podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you subscribe to the podcast and left us a review on iTunes and social media. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you chose a book from Familias. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. Mm -hmm.